hey Brandon, what are you playing right now? So much this week, actually. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna power through it um, because go for it. It's quite a bit. So uh, I, I can't remember if I talked about it last time or not. Um, that that episode was uploaded March 30th, and that was around March 30th, and that was right around the time I think I last opened the game. So I may or may not have talked about it. I was playing Stardew Valley like a ton. Uh, in March. We didn't talk about that yet, no. Okay. I just... I, I fell into a black hole of of addiction where the only thing I could think about for two weeks was Stardew Valley. It, it, <laughs> it controlled my life. I was staying up way too late. The second I was off of work, boom, Stardew Valley was open. I wasn't eating. I wasn't leaving my apartment. I haven't had such an addiction to a game in, in <laughs> years. And it was amazing. It was you cool. got hooked in. <laughs> I did. I did. That game, I, it it boggles my mind that it was made by one guy just because of how much depth it has while also still being very understandable and not, like, overwhelming. Yeah. Um, yeah, those indie darling titles, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> it, it did for me what Animal Crossing New Horizons did when it first came out, where I... Uh, I got really into it for a little while, but that was a much shorter period of time. This one, it just sunk its claws into me because of... Hmm. I, I, it does a lot of things that I wish Animal Crossing did. Like, there's a lot more um, in-depth character interaction with, like, the NPCs that are, that are yeah. in our town. Uh, there's there's lore to the game. As the, as the seasons go by, things are constantly changing and happening. Like, you never just feel like... It, it never gets stale. You're always working towards something. And there's constantly random cutscenes with the uh, the villagers that will progress your relationship with them. And it's all like a very gradual process. So no matter how long you play, stuff will just keep happening indefinitely. And it's it's really good. I think it's my favorite game in that whole uh, that whole genre of games. Mm-hmm. I literally, I had, I think, four hours into it before all this. Uh, now I'm at 117. <laughs> <laughs> so love that for me. Yep. Uh, other than that, been playing some uh, multiplayer stuff with uh, some friends. Uh, stick fight, Fall Guys. We started playing golf with friends. Have you heard of it? I have not heard of that. No. It's uh, it's it reminds me of a game you'd find on like the Windows Seven Live game library. Uh, it it there's something about golf games that just kind of work. They're super fun. Yeah. Uh, it looks like you'd, yeah again something you'd see on Windows XP. Uh, it's literally just golf with friends. It, it's right in the title. <laughs> it's uh, it's really fun. It feels like arcadey, fun golf mini games. It's a good time. Are you like taking turns in that kind of style of golf? There's a few modes, but you all play at the same time. And you can all shoot at the same time. If you turn collision on, it's really fun because you can just screw each other <laughs> over by knocking their ball into the stratosphere. Yeah. That seems like the chaotic energy of like, uh, I remember seeing that the recent Mario Golf game, where like everyone's shooting at once, and it's like it's it's similar to that. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> there's no characters; it's just your ball that you're like that uses. Oh, <laughs> very similar to Wii Golf physics. Except I should I should stress it's not actual golf; it's mini golf that you're playing on these like wild, larger than life courses. So it's oh yeah, and mini mini golf is obviously just putting. Uh yeah, so you're doing a lot of putting. But some courses just get stupid, and they're like, 
defy all logic and physics, and it's it's just very fun. <laughs> it's a good time. It's it's worth a it's worth That's the six awesome. bucks. Uh, but playing some Smash Bros. Ultimate, on and off. Uh, and the three big oh, ones. Back to that. Yeah, every now and again, I'll I'll pick it up, and it's uh, I go through little stints with it where I'll go online, do do some matchmaking, realize the world is better than me, and then quit. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, three most recently. I randomly picked up... Uh, maybe it's because we were talking about Crash and Spyro and that whole era of games at one point, but I finally re-picked up the Spyro Reignited trilogy and finished the first game. I'd got... Uh, oh, sick. Yeah, I got stuck on that one stupid level that... I, I don't even need to say it for everybody to know what I'm talking about, and I can't remember what it's called, which doesn't help, but there's this just this <laughs> really stupid level design where you have to run up a ramp jump and glide across the map to this hidden platform that you would never be able to find. It, 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 it was just stupid, and I forgot about it, even though I, I, play, I beat that as a kid. I wish I knew what you were talking about. I haven't, I haven't jumped into that trilogy yet. That's fair enough. Well, I think you'll like it when you do. Um, no, that was a good time. I, I still love Spyro. It holds up, holds up hard. Uh, I've been playing Lego Star Wars, finally. Uh, it came out, and it's, it's, it's so overwhelming. I'm going to admit, I'm... Uh, I'm not as far as I should be, because I've been picking it up and played it in smaller doses, because I haven't hit my stride with it yet. I'm still, like, I'm very overwhelmed whenever I open the game up, because there's so much you can do all the time, and the game Classic is Classic Lego game problem. <laughs> it's, it's like what it used to be, just times infinity. They went above and beyond with this one. I, I just don't know what to do with myself whenever I open it, but it's really good. I'm, uh, I'm almost on episode one, and it's... It's just so, it's crazy how different it is from the other LEGO games. It feels like a AAA modern, modern game. Yeah. Well, and that's the, that's the one that has all nine in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're playing through all nine movies. The, the first six that have been done before in previous LEGO games, they're all completely redone and remastered and play entirely differently than they used to. Uh, right. It's like there's open world hubs, there's side missions, there's so many things to collect, so many things to unlock. It's like, you could stick a lot of time into this one. Yeah, last but not least, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Been uh, trudging through that slowly now that that came out. Right. It's very good. Difficulty uh, kind of just ramps up out of nowhere. And that's appreciated because I thought it was going to be really easy the whole way through. Hmm. How about you? What are you playing? Digit well, Mason. Well, just... <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Uh, I am playing... Uh... <laughs> Just jumping off of uh, Kirby there, you encouraged me last episode to try the demo. I did. And I and I did. Wow. I played the first hour. What do you mean, how? No, I, I downloaded it <laughs> off the eShop. No, I said, wow. <laughs> I thought there was like a 50-50 shot you were actually going to try it. Well, it's a, it's a short demo of a character that I like and... I think I think just the pressure of knowing you might ask me about it this episode was enough. <laughs> <laughs> just to try it, right? Yeah. So I did. I I jumped in. I played that first uh, hour or whatever it is. It's a lovely, delightful little game. It's so cute, isn't it? It's. I mean, it's. You only play like maybe three levels, and then a, like a major boss fight or two. Um, like the gorilla guy is kind of the last. Yeah, the first big boss. First big boss in the game. Yeah, yeah, the big guy. Um I have to say and it might just be because of the other games that I enjoy. 
Um, coming into this one, it does feel a little bit railroady, if you know what I mean. Like, oh yeah, no, I'm um, it's not, it's not the same level of open world as a lot of other stuff that I play. Um, I mean, notably Mario Odyssey. Um, <laughs> I have no other examples. I, to be fair, I made a mistake last episode. I was comparing it to Mario Odyssey, which was, that was a, that was false advertising on my part. I should have, what I meant to compare it to was Mario 3D World. Uh, mm. It's definitely more in that style of gameplay. That is, that's one of those titles that I have only played small sections of at friends' places, and I do intend to play through it at, um, at some point when I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Kirby, though, I'm not sure that I would actually buy it. Oh, interesting. And that's not... I wouldn't say that that's, uh... I, I, I don't want that to, to like, be a, a negative measure on my experience of the demo. Because, um, I did, I did very much enjoy myself. The world... And the characters and, uh, like, you know, you have that sunny opening and uh, some really fun powers. I think that the car and the... Carby. What's, what's the other one? The vending machine. The pile. Of vending it. machine is the other one that you try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the cone. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... It's a... Yeah. They... I think they did a really good job of, of showing off uh, some of the, like, just teasing you just enough with some of the variety of powers. I I would be curious to try a little bit more, but like I say, not quite enough that I'd actually want to bite the bullet and buy the game. That's fair. I think it definitely gets uh, better because that, that demo, um, and even a little bit past that first boss, the game's really easy. It just kind of feels like you're on autopilot, sucking things up and, and mashing B. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's and that's and Kirby's always been uh, an easier style game, but as the game goes on, I, like I said earlier, the difficulty just kind of ramps up out of nowhere. Mm. And when it does, that's when the game becomes more like okay, now I actually feel like I'm doing something instead of just going on right. a stroll through this abandoned city. Uh, and I like yeah. I wasn't surprised by how easy it was. I have I um there was at least one Kirby game that I played quite a bit as a kid. Um, on Game Boy, and, like, as long as you know what you're getting going mm-hmm. in, and you kind of anticipate you're expecting um, what it will be, I think you're going to have a great time with it. Oh, yeah. Especially, of course, that's, that's only going off of the first hour for me. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, right. Especially if you're a Kirby fan. Like, it's very much, it feels like, yeah, this is a traditional Kirby game brought into the third dimension. Like, that is, they, they nailed it. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, they didn't get weird or anything. It's it's what you would expect. Yeah, and I think I uh, the the really the only downside that I found, and it's I I, I do want to stress that I don't find this to be like a huge downside, because mm-hmm. um, I think it I think it is a great game, and I have no doubt based on what you're saying there that um, that they have lots more variety of things, and it you know it progresses a lot more and becomes a much more engaging experience as the difficulty does go up um i just i guess i felt like a little bit more restricted like there's a lot of a lot of um 
invisible walls and kind of like you're kind of just on your track like that's why i would say i felt railroady a little bit is that you kind of only have one direction to go and as much as like i don't i know they're not really advertising it as an open world game so i probably shouldn't expect that from it mm-hmm. but yeah it's just it is what it is and i i guess i just didn't click with it quite the same way as i have with other games so that's probably why I wouldn't actually buy it. But I had a really good time with the demo. I <laughs> I, I want to make make sure that's clear that like it, it's a really fun game and um not a lot of story there. <laughs> no, no, it's really not. <laughs> it's just kind of you know actually, part for the course for a Kirby game. I haven't got far enough yet, but I'm told all of the story is like right at the end. Suddenly, you just get like a an exposition <laughs> dump right before the final boss or something, and that yeah. for some reason, uh, your opinion on Classic. this is totally fair. I actually, I'm not big on 2D platformers at all, other than like some of the classics like Mario Bros. Three, the original Mario World, mm. I guess. I, I and then the same thing goes for uh, the new new Super Mario Bros. games and even 3D World. I I'm not super excited about it. Like I have always been the big open 3D sandbox. Give me a an open place to explore and 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 find things by accident and and do just weird shenanigans that that lead to me finding stuff that I I didn't even know was there. And I've I've always loved that about Mario yeah. sixty four and Sunshine and and Odyssey. This is different. This is more for like the people who are into a linear kind of kind of stylized game. Yeah. Oh, totally. And yeah. I just I I didn't want to be overly negative with my impression of it because I did, I did honestly enjoy my time with it. I just, yeah, maybe not for me. Fair enough. In the end. It's fair enough. I should, uh, really answer your question though. <laughs> Cause you had a big long list of stuff. Yeah. What else? Uh, Sorry. <laughs> I don't have a very exciting, uh, lineup. Unfortunately, I'm hoping that might change in future episodes. <laughs> I might have to try some more stuff. Um, yeah, still working away on my island in Animal Crossing, and um, I I've, I have mentioned playing Pokemon Go. Um, I feel like I'm actually playing that less these days. There's just, there's still a lot going on in the game, lots of events. Like, it's it's obviously, like, a live game, so, like, things are changing and whatever all the time. Um just getting a little burnt out on it, to be honest. The fact that you're playing it at all in 2022 is is shocking. To me. <laughs> there's a there's a small and strong community of players for this game um, that continue to play it, but I I have no doubt that there's there's a lot of drop off. I'm just I'm not quite at the point where I would say, yeah, I'm done with this. I don't really care anymore. I'm not going to play the game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but that might happen at some point. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm enjoying Animal Crossing so much more. Um, I think especially for the fact that there's kind of like specific goalposts in a way. Right. You've got your achievement list and you've got, as much as it is it is still very much open-ended in terms of what you can do and what you're supposed to do, because they don't really, uh, apart from the the early moments of the game where you're kind of building up your island and stuff. 
the game itself is not pushing you to do anything in specific. And I think that's that's part of why I've enjoyed it long term. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up this summer, I will have been playing it for a year, and I'm reasonably sure I've played it like at least a little bit every day since I started. That's impressive. Um, it it keeps my interest. It keeps me going. Um, I yeah, I love it. <laughs> do you skip time when you play, or do you uh, do you play day by day? Ooh, good question. Um, I uh, I don't have anything against uh, time traveling, but I think specifically for my island, I've always been a little bit worried about... Uh, I mean, first of all, your turnips will spoil if you time travel, so you can't rely on that as a... really as a, as a money-making mechanic if you do that at all. No. Um, and this is just... A, it's a bit of a weird thing that I have, too, but... Um, I'm I'm always in the back of my mind worried like something something might happen if I time travel too much like and and by that I mean like too too large of a span of time if I was to skip um with my villagers or with uh I guess with weeds kind of growing on my island and things like that so I have I have time traveled a a few times here and there but only for very specific reasons. Otherwise, otherwise, I've uh, kind of stuck to real time, pretty much. You're lucky. You, you'll uh, you'll never have to deal with the, uh, the 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 fear of Rossetti, the mole showing up at your house after you time traveled, or uh, or not saving <laughs> just for him to threaten to delete your your save file. Your screen goes black for ten seconds, comes back, and it's like, just kidding. I'm not gonna do that. But I had you going. Oh. Uh. What a what a jerk move. I can't believe that's a thing. It's one of it's one of my favorite gags in a video game. It's just great. Yeah. Well, and thankfully, I mean the one thing I don't have to worry about, which I mean, this being my first Animal Crossing game that I've actually played like at all, um mm-hmm. I really don't have any of the context for some of the older games, but like it's a little bit surprising me to realize that this is the first game where maybe could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure this is the first game where a villager actually has to ask you before they leave. Whereas in other games, they would just up and leave sometimes without any warning. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of have to take it, which would really, that would really, really suck if that was to happen on my island. Cause I've, I've very carefully chosen which villagers that I have um, so that I have at least one of each personality type and all of them I actually like. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't have any duds. Um, Yeah, that would really suck. That was just very easily, you know, okay, bye. (laughs) I'm out. See, I think there's a a period of time where, uh, you know, you talk to them and then they'll, they'll, they'll like hint at leaving or ask you if they should leave. And if you just don't talk to them in that time, then yeah, they will just disappear and it'll seem like right. you had no warning. Yeah. yeah. It just seems like in this game, they won't do that at all. Like, um, if you don't talk to them, they'll just stay. Right. But then every once in a while, uh, a villager will have a thought bubble and be going, 
I'm thinking about leaving the island. And then you can actually tell them that they can't. Yeah. No, you're, you have st- the option. <laughs> you're stuck here. You don't get the choice. <laughs> I brought you here and you're never leaving. <laughs> I'm your home you now. You're my child. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's healthy. That's a safe environment. You been playing anything else? Honestly, not really. <laughs> that's-, that's why I say I've got to try some things. If I'm gonna be a bit more interesting, no, I think in a, my intro. I think it'd be a funny running gag if, for the entire season one of the show, the only thing you played was Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that would uh, that would make sense well, for me. Episode uh, episode fifty two. We're back. What are you playing this week? Well, you know, I'm working on my island. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's about it. I want to ask you something. I was in a call with uh, with uh, my buddies, and we were playing golf with friends. I don't know how the question came up, but I was thinking about this recently, and I wanted to wanted to ask you uh, what your what yours is. Um, we brought up the question about what, and this is excluding controllers, excluding uh, the menus, pretty much everything except the uh, the physical aesthetic of the console. What's your favorite looking video game console? ever mm. the uh, the pinnacle of, of video game consoles aesthetically oh man we had a very heated debate about this we went through like every generation from the uh from the intellivision to the, the ps5 we all agreed unanimously wow. that the ps5 is the worst looking thing to ever exist yeah i i would agree with that i think it looks terrible it looks so i bad. feel like i know what your answer would be what your favorite console is because we've already talked about that at least once have we um I feel like mine's a little out of left pocket. Like, and it, it is it is it not the GameCube? It's not the GameCube. I love the GameCube as a console. I love the games. I love the. I do love the look of it. I love oh, the menus. You've got you've got a more interesting answer than that. I do. Okay. I do. I uh, there's there's I, I I'm very attached to the GameCube in terms of like the physical aesthetic of a console. Like this is a video game console. It's not the GameCube. Right. And you're again just to go back. You're saying. We're not talking about controllers. No. We're not talking about any of the extra stuff or even the games. You're just talking the box, correct? Yeah. Yeah. What just looks like the pinnacle of video game consoles. This is for games. This is what I want on my entertainment unit. Do handhelds count? (laughs) Not that that's going to be my answer. (laughs) I feel like that's a different question. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Home consoles only. Yeah. We all had different answers. My buddy Spencer, he threw out the GameCube. That was actually his favorite. He likes the lunchbox. And uh, that's a respectable answer. It's in my top five. Um, my buddy Logan, he's his was the Xbox 360. Uh, I do like the 360. It's clean. It's got a good look to it. I like the Slim specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? Somebody said... Did somebody say the Wii? No, nobody said the Wii. <laughs> what I do know is unanimously everybody I know hates the PS5 and it, it just looks like trash I hate it I hate everything about it I actively don't want it because I don't want to see it on my shelf yeah well, it's, and it's huge and it's shaped weird I, and it doesn't really fit with a lot of aesthetics it's yeah no it doesn't and even if you like like I don't like the black and white look and even if you took off the white fins and made them black actually, I actually think they're called blades like it still looks stupid just because of how it's shaped like it, it's, it looks like it's trying so hard. And I, uh, well, it's a, it's like a skyscraper design. Like 
This is the sort of design that if you were if you were building a massive tall building, <laughs> yeah, maybe. There was a meme Not about that. Not a great that. building, but <laughs> there was a somebody took a scr- a picture of four different buildings across the world and each one of them strongly resembled or sorry, five buildings. Strongly resembled every generation of PlayStation console. And they're like, <laughs> Sony's just getting their uh, console designs from, from modern architecture. I thought that was so yeah. funny. Because <laughs> it's true. I th- so I think I have an answer for this. Maybe a tentative answer. Okay. The PlayStation 1. Yes! That is the right answer! <laughs> That's mine! <laughs> Did we agree? Yeah. What? We agree on something? No, because the, the PlayStation 1 is the most... It's perfect. I love everything about it visually. And here's... The funny thing is, of course, we all know, compact discs, at this point, year of our Lord 2022, <laughs> an irrelevant medium. Yeah. Completely irrelevant. Yeah. No longer used. Digital was where it's at. Yeah. I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, like... Your question was, what console looks like it's a, like, you look at it and it's, you immediately just viscerally think, this is for games. Yes. That's what I think. I look at the PlayStation 1, I'm like, that's a game machine right there. It sure is. (laughs) Not to say that, not to say that no other consoles have some element of that. No, I'd argue most of them do. But I I can't really think of... Even you go up to the PlayStation 2, they start to get more boxy. Yeah. They start to they start to do different things. Like PlayStation 1, and I'm talking the original, not the small version. Yeah. Not any other revision, just the standard gray rectangle with a circle in the middle. That's right. That's that's where it's at. That no, it is. <laughs> I can't believe we have the same one. I'm actually a little surprised. <laughs> People are always like, "Really?" when I say that. But like you gotta look at the thing, right? I love I love the gray look. It's just I don't know. It, it just worked for that generation. I'm with you. I uh, it, it, yeah. It's just it just fits the grills on the side, the the beautiful top loading uh, disc reader. I love pushing that button in, and it just it comes up like the GameCube. The, mm-hmm. the symmetrical big buttons on the sides, the controller ports. It's all symmetrical. The whole thing, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a, it's a piece of art. I love it. Yeah. It's it's beauty and simplicity. I can't believe you had the same They They did... This was the first console that Sony released. And obviously there was plenty of like revisions and whatever that didn't make it to market. Mm-hmm. Um, as there is with any console. But they designed a box that has everything you need and nothing that you don't. It's just... Ideal. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to. I don't know how else to describe it. It just looks right. <laughs> it looks exactly like what it is. You know, the GameCube yep. can be like a little deceiving. Like, oh, what is this at first? It takes mini discs. It's uh, the Xbox One is like, is this a video game console or is this a DVD player, a Blu-ray player? Like, it, <laughs> they wanted it to be both. <laughs> exactly. And it, it looks like a. It looks clean. It looks good. It's an entertainment unit, but like it doesn't scream. I'm a video game console, like the PS One did. Yeah. Man, I can't believe that. I, and I would I would say probably a close second um cuz I am pretty big into 
um, white aesthetic, really clean, mm-hmm. um, really simple. So Xbox One S and Series S um, that kind of differentiated themselves from their bigger, more powerful counterparts mm-hmm. by being white instead of black. I, I mean, it doesn't. It does not have the same quality. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fight that. Um, because it's. I would say only aesthetically do I gravitate towards that. Um, but far, far and away, PlayStation One, no question. Honestly, no, that's fair. Like, there's something to be appreciated about the look of modern consoles. They're very clean. They're very sleek, modern aesthetic look. Like, I love the PS4. I do. I think it looks awesome. Um, which is hilarious because I hate the PS3 and I hate the PS5. <laughs> and I'm very, I'm very attached to the PS2, but I think the PS2 looks kind of ugly too. Like that thing's weird. Yeah, are, and are you thinking of the um, like the fat model, the fat one? Yeah, yeah. I don't like the slim because that's no. I I played, and this is the stupid thing: the fact that I would even pick the PlayStation One as my favorite here makes no sense because I never owned one. <laughs> Me neither. That's why I, just, I say my answer is out of pocket because I never had a PS One yeah. myself until recently. I'm just weirdly nostalgic for that specific era. And that specific console, like the, this is, this is why I'm sure I've brought it up already, um, earlier episodes, um, going back to play the original Crash Trilogy, um, on PlayStation, well, PlayStation 2 is the console I actually have, um, the fat one. Yes. Um, going back to play those games, you get that, like, polygonal, kind of blocky, uh, angly aesthetic. Yes, yes. Where, like, they they were entering the fray into 3D, and they were doing some amazing things with 3D, but they still didn't quite have the power that even the next generation of console would have. So, like, obviously... um. They couldn't do quite as much, but they were still doing a fair bit. Going back to play those versus, and I haven't, I haven't actually touched the the remastered trilogy of Crash yet. Um, that would be again something I do want to play at some point just to see the differences. Mm-hmm. Um, but you go back and you play those original ones, and even just other games on PlayStation One, they had those that like those tight restrictions of how much they could show on screen at one time and just that aesthetic of it being a little little blocky, little imperfect. Um give me more of that. Big fan. <laughs> oh, man, I could I could talk your ear off about this. I I'm in love with that era of con- like people look back at it and say the N64, the PS1 that they didn't that they aged poorly and they look ugly. And that's because they're right compared to what? No, 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 they're right. It looks terrible. It looks horrible by today's standards. But it's so uniquely video games. Like, yeah, there's only that era of video games looks like that. It's such a specific vibe and feel that if if you gave me a modern game that was designed to look like a PS1 game, I'd be kind of into it just because it's it's a mood. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Uh, I just love it. I just think it, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Well, and it's, 
the interesting thing too is that there are between the N64 and the PS1, which were main competitors in the day. Yeah. Um I feel like there are actually specific differences and I think that the first thing that I can think of that uh that makes the PS1 stand apart from N64 was just like the jitteriness at times and like the way that the textures uh wouldn't always quite line up, I guess. But you know what that is? It's it do I? Uh, so, so the big thing with the N64. Tell me. I, I, I've known this for a long time, but I was only recently thinking about it and, and realized how how weird this actually is. The N64 is a 64-bit console, hence being called Nintendo 64. Um, yep. Which, on the surface, you would assume, oh, they went from, uh, what was it, the Super Nintendo, 16-bit, and they jumped to, to 64, other than the Saturn, which was uh, two 32-bit chips put into one console to pretend to be 64. Yeah. The, the PS1 was a 32-bit console. So you had a yeah. you had a 64-bit and a 32-bit console going head-to-head, uh, which is why the games on each console look so drastically different. Right. Even though it's yep. the same console generation. They were doing... They were pulling off 3D, 3D games with a 32-bit chip, which is why you get that weird artifacting, glitchy-looking uh, frame rate whenever you play. And all the, all the edges to everything yeah. are super jagged and weird. But you look at... See, this is the thing. Yes, the games at the time were ugly. I think that's... Uh, <laughs> it is a subjective thing, but, I mean, when you compare it to almost anything you can play now, yeah, it doesn't... It doesn't. It, it looks old. It does. Um, but it's but charming. The, the thing is, the charm, but also the technical prowess. I watched um, a documentary... Uh, from one of the original programmers of Crash 1, the things that they were able to accomplish with those limita- within those limitations um, and the fact that it still looks as good as it does when they were working with um, like CD content, which streams faster, but the size that they were able to fit, I'm pretty sure it was like, Maybe only like 300 megabytes per disc? It's actually... Uh, if I'm remembering right? It's 700. When the N64, okay. which used carts, could only go up to six, uh, uh, 60, 70? 60, 60 or 70 megabytes, which is drastically smaller. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. And I might actually have, have that a little bit backwards because I'm thinking um, of the differences between flash and cd mm-hmm. um flash was faster so like carts will always be faster than trying to load on disc that's right yeah um but disc could still fit a fair bit but then yeah just just the the amount of stuff that they could fit on screen was still quite limited even if they could have all of that access to all of that data that 700 megs which at the time was amazing and now you look at that and you're like, I just downloaded the latest Call of Duty and took eight hours. <laughs> no, it's a hundred reasonable internet. 146 <laughs> gigabytes. You need to buy three hard drives just to load the game. Yeah. Orders of magnitude more. People always uh, people talk about that these era. Days. People talk about that era. And I find it interesting that 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 yeah, going disc based was clearly the right choice. But there were advantages for to still use carts. Uh 
like the load times for one thing. Um, yeah. You could have like games like Mario 64. There's never a loading screen that's more than three seconds ever. Yeah. Playing PS1 games, uh, there's constant like 20, 25, 30 second loading screens just to get to the next area. And it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> but at that sacrifice, you're getting, um, you know, you're getting full motion video that can be played on discs, voice acting and stuff that actually fits. Stuff that would never show up on N64. Yeah, exactly. Just because it, it can't. You can't do it really. Yeah. And I think that's what makes that generation just so cool. Uh, you don't get, this is a whole other topic, <laughs> honestly. But uh, I find that modern consoles are very, they're all the same. There's no reason to like the, the quote unquote console wars. They don't really exist anymore. What you're getting on PS5 is damn near identical to what you're getting on the Xbox One X series, box X series box. Um, the back <laughs> marketing term, marketing, marketing term, term marketing term, business, business, business. <laughs> But with that N64 and PS1 area, uh, era and all the eras before that, there were such distinct differences between each uh, competitor's console of why you should get it. And, that, and that's what made it so interesting to, to, to pick a side, to be a PlayStation kid, to be a Sega kid, to be a, a Nintendo kid. Because you all had very specific experiences that were unique to you when you had that console. And I just think that's... Yeah. I kind of miss that about gaming. Well, I, I have a feeling that... I mean... It's a little harder to say that now because a lot of the big games you can play on almost any console, uh, including PC. Um, there's a lot of a lot of the most popular titles are popular um, because they've spread it out a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you think of Nintendo specifically, there is still uh, plenty of strong exclusives. I mean, we I wouldn't have a Switch if not for Mario Odyssey. Like, honestly, that was literally the only reason why I finally went, yeah, we should probably get one of these. Like, <laughs> Well, Nintendo is the exception to that whole rule because they 100% yeah. they rely on their IPs to carry them as a company. If, uh, if yeah. they ever made the choice to go cross-platform with all their stuff, uh, they'd be dead as a console manufacturer. Nobody would buy Nintendo products console-wise. Yeah. Because they're all underpowered and they just they don't stack up to other modern consoles. They don't do nearly. You can't. They're not uh, media units. You can't use streaming services like we got YouTube three years into the the Switch's life. So it's really their first party. We games got that, folders. Yeah, we have folders five years into the lifespan. Are you kidding me? And they're completely useless. Let's be clear. It's it's stupid. So yeah, Nintendo. And I think Nintendo's very aware, and this is probably why they take down any fan made project that people make. Their IPs and their their first party software is what keeps them alive as a company. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you say, like obviously with first party stuff, that is that is their signifier. But um, third party wise, yeah, you can probably find. I I don't want to say every game, but like just about every popular game um, out there, probably on Switch and probably on other consoles too. Oh, you <laughs> there's, can, there's just quite a library. Yeah, you can safely say 90% of the games that you want, modern games coming out, you can play everywhere. PlayStation, they understand exclusives. You got The Last of Us and Uncharted and, and Horizon Zero Dawn and, and all their stuff that, that keeps them... Uh, ahead of Microsoft in that department. But even Microsoft's starting to catch mm -hmm. on that, like they're making Fable. Uh, they got Halo. 
Although Microsoft's a little weird because... You've got Game Pass. Got, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying that exclu- exclusivity doesn't exist anymore. Like there are still reasons to, to pick a console over another, but so many, like it, it's just a lot less than it used to be. Yeah. So here's one. Uh, this sort of game, I feel like, has a little bit fallen out of fashion for whatever reason. Okay. But in in the a lot of the eras of games that we talk about regularly, this genre of game was very, very common. And somehow, I haven't quite figured out yet why, but this sort of game... Um, Nowadays, you see them less and less. Hmm. So, <laughs> okay, I'll stop with the teasing. Movie tie-in games. Do you have a favorite? Oh, interesting. Man, when I was uh, when I was streaming a ton, I uh, there was this running gag in my chat. I don't know how it started, but everybody, every time I would stream, I could not avoid it. There would be a barrage of comments at some point that would say, "When are you going to play Shrek Two, the game on PS2?" I don't know how it started, but uh, <laughs> that was a running joke, and I've never played it to this day. But apparently I have to. Apparently it's a great tie-in game. <laughs> I feel like the the the, uh, the window for that one has passed. Um... Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> no, but you're right, especially... In what, 20 years? <laughs> from the Super Nintendo all the way to the PS2 era. Yeah, you got, actually, even Xbox 360, you, you got quite a few of them too. Yeah, there was a lot of like licensed games that came out just yeah, yeah. constantly. And I think the reason why I why I say that it feels like they've gone out of fashion is, I mean, specifically, I um, I've been watching um, most of the MCU movies. I can't really name an MCU game. We haven't really seen one at all. We've seen Marvel games, certainly. Yeah, but never a game that's like specifically tailored around that. That's not even true. Lego Marvel's Avengers. <laughs> yeah, that, that was. I mean, I don't know if you count like Marvel. But that's that's it. Because there's like the Marvel uh, Alliance games. Is that what they're called? Uh, I don't know if I, you're right. They're not directly tied to the movies. They're just Marvel crossover games. But it's the same kind of idea where it's. Well, and that's that's what I mean. Like a game where either you've seen the movie already and then you want to play the game of that movie, mm-hmm. or. You play the game, and the game makes you want to see the movie. You do get either way. You do get a few. Apparently, that Guardians of the Galaxy game was really good. It was, a, but even that is that that's a different storyline, right? I have no idea. It was nominated for Game of the Year. <laughs> it was called Guardians of the Galaxy. I assumed it was based off the movie. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> um, but no, that's my question. Do you have? Can you think of a favorite from those years, early two thousands? It's actually a good question. I uh, I own a lot of them because I collect for that generation a lot, and uh, I've been meaning to play a lot of them. Like there's a, there's one for Ice Age that looks kind of Ice Age Two specifically looks kind of fun. Oh yeah, huh. I uh, I played the original Shrek one. I have not played Shrek Two to make that very clear, but I played the original <laughs> Shrek and never will, never will. Apparently <laughs> the cars death. the cars game was a very good racing game. I've heard from people that. Would make sense. A little surprising, but, it, you know, if it's good, it's good. Uh, so, I feel like, and people my age, we will we will shove these games down your throat and swear 
<laughs> we'll swear on our lives that they are truly great. Um, the one people talk about the most would be SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom, but that's not actually based on a movie. But SpongeBob <laughs> the movie, the game, <laughs> is clearly obviously based on a movie. And that game, that yeah. game is fire. That game slaps. It's great. Dang. So I, I don't think I've played a single SpongeBob game in my life. Have you not? Oh no. Those two specifically. And uh, you find anybody who's between the ages of twenty-two and twenty-six, and we're all gonna tell you that these games are fire. We all played them. It was like a universal <laughs> rule, a rite of passage. If you were born in that era, that you played these games and you worship them. Um they're really good. They're really <laughs> solid. They're great 3D platformers. Uh, not not completely open world, but not just super linear either. It's like uh, you get linear, uh, you know, platforming sections in the games that are kind of like uh, a Mario Sunshine floodless mission type thing. But uh, the rest is like small open hubs that lead into linear paths into another small open hub. And that's the whole game. And you play through the movie. Uh, right. So that would probably be my answer. All right. I do think we did get a lot of good um, uh, licensed tie-in games in the Super Nintendo era, too. Like Aladdin and The Lion King and et cetera, et cetera. I remember playing Toy Story. On the PS1? 2D one. Oh. No, on uh, Super Nintendo. <laughs> oh, I think I played that one. Interesting. I don't remember almost anything about it. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it did. It Once you went to the 3D route... Um, yeah, N64, PlayStation. Um, the quality then was a lot more hit or miss. Be better. It was a lot more hit or miss when it became 3D, but all the 2D stuff? like yeah. You got a lot of good licensed games when everything was a 2D side-scroller because it's a lot easier to make a good 2D side-scroller than a 3D adventure, you know? It, you're right. You have to have the right team. Yeah. I don't know. What would you say? Uh, my answer, for whatever reason, I was a little bit expecting that this would be your answer as well, but maybe... Maybe it just. Are you gonna say? Are you um, gonna say Spider Man Two for the PS Two? <laughs> Is that what you're gonna say? You know, yeah, it. I know, no, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I specifically didn't say it because I thought you were gonna pick it. Okay, we <laughs> we're working. We're, we're working together on this. Okay. Uh. I'm surprised because the same camp. What do we host a podcast? Do we host a podcast? <laughs> we should start a podcast. <laughs> You know what? I like that idea. No, see, that's interesting because I think the same camp of people who worship those SpongeBob games worship that Spider-Man game. Like, that's the same. That, that's a completely overlapped crowd. Yeah, strange, because that was not me. Fascinating. I mean, again, I didn't own a PlayStation 2, so I can't even tell you where I played this then. Um, I think it did get ported to the next gen, too. Right. So I... And I don't remember a ton about this game. Um, I do remember uh, having seen the movie first. And I don't think it's an unpopular opinion to say that Spider-Man 2 um, was the highlight of that trilogy. Um, when you're talking oh, yeah. about Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, um, that was it. It was the highlight, for uh, sure. Which is funny because uh, we actually went went back and watched it recently again, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's 
there's there is elements of it that have not aged well absolutely um <laughs> but no no but i still love it i watched it right before no way home came out and i, I still love them yeah i i can't say i can't say that i don't like it like my opinion on it has only shifted slightly um right it's it's still to the the core of the movie is still uh i still love it um so yeah then and I, I don't know if this was maybe my first experience just like picking up a game and being like hey that's spider-man and not only is it spider-man but toby Maguire is voicing the lines like yeah it's like you you just picked up from the movie you know that was to me that was the yeah. magic of it and I mean obviously I was younger um and probably more impressionable uh, <laughs> but the the thing that I remember most about that game um the expo- the exploring the city and all of its nooks and crannies that it was a it felt like a really big city and it probably wasn't compared to open world games now um but there was lots to there was lots to do there was a big map and there was all kinds of uh smaller tasks and bigger tasks and all kinds of stuff all over the city and then you just had the these just random little encounters where so, some ladies getting robbed and so you swoop in and you beat the ever living crap <laughs> these three guys in slow motion in the air. Like, yeah. T- yeah. This is like a drug for a teenage boy. <laughs> the game was iconic. Like from the opening, that sarcastic narrator who talks you through the tutorial. And I don't know. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> Oh, that is one of the most iconic parts of the game. Just go watch the, the yeah, tutorial yeah. for Spider-Man 2 and the PS2. It's it's funny. It's so funny. Uh, to, yeah, no, the swinging. It's the swinging. And I was watching um, an interview about the developer for the game who to, who did the swinging uh, and how he designed it and how he, he went through so many revisions and it landed on that using both the L and the right trigger was the best way to, to make it feel like you were Spider-Man mm-hmm. and give it that, like, that proper gliding sensation that just felt good. That's what made the game. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, New York felt huge. It was, in retrospect, um, the city is really empty. It's not like um, Spider-Man PS4. Oh, yeah. kind of did for this, for that generation what that game did for the PS2. Like, it was yeah. kind of the same thing 15 years later. And I have yet to experience uh, the new one, so I've, I've, I feel like I'm really missing out. It's, it's the best Spider-Man game we've gotten. Like, it's... I haven't played Miles Morales yet, but it's that's the same kind of yeah. deal. It's very, it's very good, very worth your time. It's, uh, it's, it's basically that that Spider Man two from that from the PS two just on crack. Yeah. Uh, but no, iconic game, so fun. I, I kind of want to go back and play to see how well it holds up because that was a generational like landmark. Yeah, I don't remember if I played it on PlayStation or on Xbox to be honest, because it would have been just at probably a random friend's place or something. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was on both. Maybe, maybe it I'm was. wrong, but I think it was. I think it was even on GameCube. Like I think it was. That was on all platforms. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no that that would be my favorite. Um, and I and yeah, just going off of your your thing there on the swinging, like 
that was probably the the thing that linked it to the movies the most. And having gone back and yeah. watched Spider-Man 2 again, um, a good amount of the CGI definitely looks dated. Um, oh, yeah. But the, the, the sensation of watching him swing through the city, they, they nailed that. Like, I, oh, yeah. No question. And that's that they, they brought that right into the game. Obviously, it was not the same team that did the game that did the movie. But, like, you feel the same way in the game that you do watching the movie, I feel like. Well, again, the developer, he's, he, in the interview, he's talking about how he meticulously spent time on the, on, on, on the swinging to make sure it felt perfect. And, and he, yeah. he nailed it in such a way that I don't need to do, or at least back then, I never felt the need to do anything in the game. All I, it was, it's kind of like Grand Theft Auto, where the fun is just moving, like just swinging around. I didn't need an objective, just jumping around, swinging uh, you know, between buildings, seamlessly grappling onto a wall, and then uh, crawling up a bit, crawling up it at light speeds, to like fling yeah. yourself up in the air and keep swinging, like it, it's so seamless and smoothly executed that it, it like you don't know, you never need an objective. It's just fun. it's a playground, it's a sandbox to just play around in. It's perfect. Yeah, and it, that's that's when you know you've got a good thing. Yeah, is you you nail the navigation. Yeah, and the platforming, and everything else is is just the cherry on top. That's that's very well said. If just getting around is the best part of the game, you made a, a triple A game. And honestly, that that reminds me. I don't want to talk all the time about Odyssey, but like <laughs> going back to that. Yeah, you've got this big open world, and it is just so freaking fun to run around and flip and triple jump as Mario. It's true. Bounce on the hat, like <laughs> there, there, there is. They nailed. There's it. a camp of people who don't <laughs> like Odyssey, and I'll never understand it because in my eyes, it is the best Mario has ever felt moveset wise like it just is he's so bar none. He's so he's bar perfect none. and i love i love the galaxy titles to my death yeah. net, but like odyssey is another level <laughs> it is perfect <laughs> welcome to the mario odyssey praise podcast <laughs> the podcast where we talk about animal crossing <laughs> <laughs>